0: Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church, and a couple things real quickly, a couple business type things, Christmas Eve service, yes, we are going to be meeting 7 o'clock on Christmas Eve, so anybody can make it, be awesome. And also, next Sunday, will be on the 27th, we'll have our testimony service, and we'll be also a double. We're going to double up for Linnell Hopewell and his memorial service, so we're going to have testimonies, and remember Linnell also, so that's on the 27th. Birthday, I got to give a shout out, Kim, my Kim, is having her birthday on December 26th, so happy birthday, Kim, uh, let you know about that. So, the title for today is Keep Your Eyes Open for God Winks. Keep your eyes open for God winks. Second Kings eight three to five. Some of you might be saying, "What's a God wink?" Well, if you're asking that, then obviously you don't watch Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> uh, it was coined by Squire Russell, the author. Squire Russell. He had a book series. Has a book series, and each of the titles includes the phrase "When God winks" or "God wink." When God winks. And the, the idea of this, the, really the definition of this, a God wink is an event or personal experience often described as a coincidence so astonishing that it is seen as a sign of divine intervention, especially when perceived as an answer to prayer. That's what a God wink is. I'm going to read it again. An event or personal experience often described as a coincidence, so astonishing that it is seen as a sign of divine intervention, especially when perceived as an answer to prayer. Christmas is a God wink. That's right. Christmas is a God wink. Jesus, <coughs> Jesus fulfilled incredible prophecies at his birth. Just amazing prophecies. Isaiah 7.14, which was a prophecy about God's deliverance for Judah at that time, 700 years before Christ. And a, in, in it refer, referenced a virgin, a young maid, having a baby as proof that, that the baby would be born. And by the time the baby reached a certain age, that was a sign that God was going to deliver them at that point. But Matthew one twenty three shows that this is a double prophecy. First of all, I'll read, I'll read to you Isaiah's prophecy. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with a child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And just talking about a young woman who's going to end up getting pregnant and having a baby. And by the time that baby's born, the deliverance, it's all connected to their deliverance at that time. But Matthew 1, 23 shows that it's a double fulfillment. Prophecies many times had two fulfillments. Back in the time they were given, and then future reference to Christ or end times, the double fulfillment. And in Matthew one twenty three it says, uh, well, v- verse 22, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with a child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the double fulfillment, the final fulfillment of this verse is even more miraculous than the deliverance that they experienced. This was a virgin birth. Not just a young girl having a birth, but a virgin birth, Mary. Uh, and also God's actual son was born. God's actual son is born, and he is Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew 2 6 gives another God wink. It's from Matthew 5, I'm sorry, from Micah 5 2. And Matthew 2 6 tells us exactly where Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, would be born. Where the virgin would give birth. It says here, right, referencing Micah 5-2, Matthew 2-6 says, But you, Bethlehem, <coughs> in the land of Judah, <coughs> Sorry, <when> I to get <laughs> I'm preaching my allergies. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. So we know that, At Bethlehem, exactly where the Messiah was going to be born, the Son of God, Emmanuel was going to be born. Jesus Christ, who was was the bread from heaven, was born in obscure Bethlehem, which means house of bread. There are so many God winks, so many God winks in the Bible. No accident. And we also see in Matthew the lineage of Jesus Christ. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, Jesse, David. All of them fulfilled. Amazing lineage fulfilled. Uh, Just incredible. What are the odds, right? No other religious leader fulfilled prophecy anywhere close to this, their coming or even what they did in their life, nothing close to this, that most religious leaders just showed up and made their, made their claims. But Jesus fulfilled amazing prophecies and connected the dots to the prophecies and fulfilled them, just unbelievable. This was These were just the start of hundreds of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled through his life. If you've never listened to Joe Simon, he did several uh, teachings on this. If you've never listened to those, go back and listen to our archives there. Amazing what he brings out. Just hundreds of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. His sinful life, his death, his resurrection prophesied over and over again. I'll just give you one example of how how he fulfilled Isaiah. How he fulfilled just one of them. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 verses 8 to 10. The whole Chapter is amazing. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. Unbelievable. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Connect the dots. Though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Sinless. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. His life, his death, his resurrection, many, many different passages about Jesus Christ that he fulfilled. Hundreds of intricate prophecies god has left us no doubt who the messiah is no doubt it, the only question is will we accept it the proof is incredible the only question is will we put our faith in jesus christ that's the only question. Will we reject Him or put our faith in Him? Will we accept what God has said through His Word or will we reject it? No one will ever be able to stand before Jesus in the throne, uh, uh, judgment throne someday and say, I didn't know. I, could, I couldn't. I, it wasn't clear. It's so clear. God's Word is clear. God's Word is available to everyone now on this planet. And, and it's clear. And people have a choice to make. But it doesn't matter. Even in the United States, so much knowledge, biblical knowledge out there, and yet so many reject it. It's a decision of their will. A decision of their will. It's a choice we make. There is so much proof. It's impossible for Jesus to fulfill all these Old Testament prophecies by chance. Impossible. These are God winks. God winks. And we're going to see another God wink in the life of Elisha today. Uh, And I think it will give us a real encouragement to look for God winks in our lives as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this Christmas. We thank you for the miracles, the miracle of Christmas and, and, the, and what the miracles in our life that Jesus brought to our lives. Lord, I just pray that you would open our eyes. Open our eyes to your word. Open our hearts to your will. I pray that your Holy Spirit would pour out and power and speak to us and transform us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so quick review. Elisha warns the, 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 the woman that he's close to with her husband and son. He was very close, but the husband apparently has died. He's no longer mentioned here, but the son is still alive. Uh, remember, that was the Miracle Boy. We'll talk more about that. He warns this woman about the coming famine, seven years of famine. She takes her son to the land of the Philistines, and now she's coming back after seven years to try to reclaim her land and her house. Okay, It's been taken over by others. But in Second Kings 8, 3-5, we pick up the story where it says, <clears throat> At the end of seven years, she came back from the land of the Philistines and went to the king to beg for her house and land. The king was talking to Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, and had said, Tell me about the great things Elisha has done. Just as Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, the woman whose son Elisha had brought back to life came to beg the king for her house and land. Gehazi said, This is the woman, my lord, the king, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. Wow! At the very moment, Gehazi, the, the, Elisha's servant Gehazi, is talking to the king about the boy that Elisha had raised to life at that very moment, and they walk. Now, obviously this is not in chronological order with the story of uh, in, in 2 Kings here. Uh, the Holy Spirit led the writer of Kings, and many times we see this in the Bible, they would lump stories together. And he had... Led the writer of the Book of Kings to lump the famine stories together. We just saw the famine because of the siege of the Aramean army. The Syrians had come, and now, because of that that uh, the Holy Spirit lumped another famine story together with this. This story is from is before the siege happened before that famine, and it's also we know that because. Gehazi doesn't have leprosy yet. He's talking to the king. He would never be be able to talk to the king with the leprosy he had. He had to stay away from everybody, right? So Gehazi ended up a leper after Naaman's healing. Remember, because he tried to take the money and all that stuff. He did take the money and all that stuff. But so this was obviously after before this happened before that healing happened before. Naaman's healing, before Gehazi gets the, the leprosy, and it also happened before this, the siege that we already looked at and the, and the famine we already had. So this is before all of that. But he just was lumping it together because it's two famine stories together. But we, So anyway, chronological. I hope I made that clear. Anyway, this is not right after the siege famine. This happened before it and also before Naaman's healing. Okay, that's what I'm trying to say. But we lump the stories together. It's very common in the Bible. But we see Gehazi is talking to the king. He's not only greedy Gehazi, he's also power-hungry Gehazi. Here he is hanging around the king and name-dropping. And oh, oh, I saw this. You know, he's trying to get in good with the king, right? So here we have Gehazi talking to the king about Elisha raising the dead to life. And the resurrected kid comes walking in at that very moment with his mom. What a coincidence, not, (laughs) this is not a coincidence, now remember this boy is a type of Jesus Christ, now we talked about this, he had a miracle birth, he had a resurrection from the dead, he's a picture, a prophetic picture of what was going to happen with Jesus, and then now we're going to see next time he ends up restoring his mom's land and life, just like Jesus restores our lives, and we're going to focus on that restoration the next time. It'll be after Christmas when we hit this part. We're going to focus on the restoration the next time. But today I want to zero in on the God wink. On the coincidence. The coinkadink. <laughs> the God wink. The coinkadink. That's what I want to focus on here, okay? It's crazy. At the very moment. That Gehazi is talking to the king about this resurrected boy. The boy walks in right in front of them and ends up restoring the woman's life. There is no such thing as a coincidence with God. There is, this is what I want to drive home. There is no such thing, if you're a child of God, there is no such thing as a coincidence. No. There's no, there, there are God winks. There's no inks. There are God winks that God is making something happen. He's weaving stuff together. Keep your eyes open. God's word is loaded with God winks, loaded with amazing providence. Things that people would normally, the people in the flesh would call, the worldly people would call coincidence or luck. Do we know that it's God's hand? It's all over God's word. And, and and also, in our lives, if we keep our eyes open, if we can see with the eyes of faith, we will see God winks all over our lives. Every day. All over the place. It's crazy. It's incredible. This week, Linnell Hopewell went home to be with Jesus. He'd been praying for years, and I've been praying with him for years. And God brought him home this week, and we had a, a a beautiful time at the cemetery with some people that made it. And then next Sunday, we're going to be having a, a memorial service as part of our testimony service. Uh, so don't miss that. But Linnell's life and impact on New Hope Community Church was no coincidence. It was no accident. I'm going to share a few things, which he has put in his biography book. This is all public knowledge, and he shared it in testimony times, many times. We're going to miss his testimony next week, but we're going to share about him. But he's testified this many times. When we first started New Hope Community Church twenty over 20 years ago, I'll never forget our first service. We had been getting hammered by radical groups, homosexual groups, and they were hammering us and battering us and trying to keep us from opening. And then the first, I think it was the first or second service, right right when we were really kicking off the very beginning, there was an AIDS walk planned at the school. I'm like, how could there be a, how we're just surviving and getting battered and beat up and policemen are everywhere and oh my goodness, it was crazy. And then what are the odds there would be an AIDS walk planned at the school. It started from the school and they did a walk. You know, a planned and right when we start the church. What are the odds of that? And I remember saying, God, why? Why did it have to be this week? Sure enough, some of the people coming to the AIDS Walk showed up to protest. They came into the church. We had police clear them out. They tried to disrupt the service. They got there too early. They got their times mixed up. Uh, <laughs> they got there an hour early. We were like, get them all cleared out in time for the service. Uh, uh, everything you're seeing today in our country, we experienced it 20 years ago. I saw, I said, told everybody, we're just getting it early. The whole country's going to be like this in 20 years. Everybody's like, oh, poo poo. That's not, here we are. Told ya. All right. So, anyway, we get it all cleared out but after after that happened we some people in the church felt led and we sent them out they went out and participated in the AIDS walk they went out and participated in the AIDS walk and it shocked the people running the AIDS walk because they saw the protesters and the people, people running the AIDS walk weren't these radicals. They were just looking out for people with AIDS. Most of them were living homosexual lives, but they were they were just concerned about AIDS victims, which we all are concerned about. So we sent people out there to, to try to, to be part of that ministry to people who, who are suffering from AIDS, the AIDS victims. And they were shocked that Christians would come out, especially after the police just had to clear some of their walkers out of the church. And they were just so touched by that. And it was the start of a very close relationship. for the next 15 years till the AIDS Walk ran its course and no longer was held, we were a key sponsor of the AIDS Walk. Our church was. We had the tables. We handed out free stuff. We walked in it. We canceled our services and just were part of this AIDS Walk. And, And it just... It was a start of a, a close, close relationship. Most of the people now have moved on, moved to other places that were running this. But for 15 years, we had a close, close friendship. I was in places that most Christians weren't welcome in. Let me just tell you that. Kim and I sat down in places that probably no other Christians had ever come into before. And and they treated us like a, a king and a queen. They treated us like gold. They, we just had this close, close bond. It was beautiful. And they would say, we know you don't agree with us, with our life or what we believe, but we know that you care about us. You care about us. You care about people with AIDS. You care about us. What were they really saying? We know you love us. And we do. And, and they saw that. Now, back to... Coincidence, right? We start the church in the AIDS walk. Uh, coincidence, and while we we're there, someone had mentioned out at the AIDS walk after the service. I was out hanging out and talking to everybody, and, and one of them mentioned there was an AIDS house. There was a house in New Hope for people who have AIDS, and not many people know about this. But I, but we, I said I'd like to try to connect with them and minister to them, and so we got connected. I went over, I met a lot of the folks. In time, most of them ended up part of our church. It was crazy. Most, almost everybody in the AIDS house was a member of our church, uh, ultimately. Over time, they passed away or they moved away, and new leadership there and new people, and the door has closed to us. But at that time, we had a huge, God gave us a huge open door. And right away, one of the first people I met in there was Linnell Hopewell, who had, was HIV positive, Um He had been HIV positive at that time for about 15 years, and he said, I should be dead. I don't know why I'm still alive. He didn't have a lot of money and didn't have a lot of connections, so he wasn't getting the, you know, all the drugs that everybody else was getting, but amazingly, he uh, shared with me about his HIV. We went out to lunch. We started hanging out. Uh we We got very we got very close he told us told me about a very sad story of his life how he was abused, sexually abused it was horrible and and how that sexual abuse uh had led him into drug use and homosexuality and a lot of other sins and and then he said, and on top of that he- tr- had tried going to churches over the years and they had rejected him because they could tell he was you know, a gay, okay. and he said they just rejected him. He said, I'm just coming trying to get help. I was trying to get healing, and churches would just reject me. And he said, I don't sense that at New Hope Community Church. I only feel the love of Jesus Christ. Not that we affirm homosexuality. Oh no, not far from it. He goes, you haven't affirmed that. You've told me the truth of God's purpose for my life. But even when I was struggling, you showed me love and care, and accepted me—not the sin, but me. You accepted me, and and he was so touched by that, and and he was able to get his healing. His healing, healing from not just homosexuality, but from the sexual abuse and and all the abuse he faced and the, the, the drug struggles that he had. He was able to find his healing and he was able to live free for 20 years. He lived free of sexual sin for 20 years. And he said, God, my manhood has been restored here at this church. It was stolen from me by the sexual abuse. They stole my manhood. I fell into the lies of of the world, but God restored my manhood at New Hope Community Church. He became the man of God that he was always meant to be. And I'll never forget, he was baptized maybe... Two years after he became a Christian at the church, he was baptized, and that same week in New Hope, they passed this ordinance, hate crime ordinance, really aimed at you weren't supposed to say anything bad about homosexuality. It wasn't a law at that time, but it was an ordinance, but the goal, they told the people did it, told me, we're going to make this a law and make it illegal for you to say anything against homosexuality, and if you do, we're going to put you in jail. It hasn't quite reached that yet, although in Canada we're seeing it already happen. In other countries in Europe we're seeing that happen. But they said, that is our goal for you, Chuck Wilson, Pastor Chuck. That's our goal for you, to see you in jail and shut up. And uh thank God God has still given us an open door. But they passed this ordinance starting out to try to, you know, kind of like, you know, bait and switch. They said, it's going to start here and now we're going to end up there. But they passed this ordinance in New Hope. It was the first town in in the U.S., although some cities had done it, but they said, we want this to be the model for every town in America, every city in America, and it's become, in many, many places, it's become that. But I'll never forget, that was the same exact week that Linnell was baptized in the Delaware River, and I'll never forget it. Baptizing him in that river, and Afterward watching everybody interact with him and, and just the impact he was having. This guy had such an impact on our church. And and I remember saying God just, just just praying and saying, God, all the laws in the world can't stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. All the laws, all the hate crime laws in the world cannot stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth is going to get out. You will still transform people with the truth of Jesus Christ. And 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 so many people in the church ministered to Linnell who just coincidentally came to our church and he impacted everybody. Impacted everybody. Touched all of our lives. And now he's got Jesus' ear. <laughs> he, he, Linnell could preach. He could preach. He could testify. He could talk. And now he's got the ear of Jesus himself. God winks. That was a God wink. What are the odds that this AIDS walk would be there the same time we're starting and we connect somehow with Linnell and the 20 years of impact? God winks. God winks are everywhere. If we see with the eyes of faith, God winks are everywhere. Everywhere. Kim and I live with a God wink. That's right, we live with a God wink. She's in front of us every second of every day. Little Laurel. What are the odds that our son... As we say it all the time. What are the odds that Ryan and his wife would be gone? That they would be gone and we would have little Laurel living with us in, in their place? While I was in bed one, a couple mornings ago praying about my son before I get up, I often pray in bed because nothing rushes in yet. I like to pray there. Nothing can bother me. So I pretend I'm sleeping. And But I, I'll never forget, Laurel... Climbed into our bed. She does it every night. Uh, at some point in the night. She'll find our bed. We set up with this nice little bed next to us like we did for all the other kids when they were going through that scared time. But she doesn't stay on her little couch bed. She has to at some point climb in it. You cannot stop the girl! I know I'm a wimpy grandpa, I get that. But, but you can't stop the girl. She is determined and this is one determined little girl. Uh, God wink. Alright, so, uh, she, she climbed, was in our bed and she must have heard me roll over and maybe mumbling my prayers. And she come, She rolled over on top of me. She put her arm on me. She felt for my eyes. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's so what she does. Then all of a sudden, she's laying up on top of me. She put her head up. I'm laying on my side and her head's up on my back. She's like leaning against me. And I'm on her pillow and she goes back to sleep. Now I can't go anywhere. I got to pray. But I was just like, you know, it it's crazy. Every day we have we have this this, as sad as we are, and it is sad. Still, it will always be sad. Every day. But each day we have this little God wink poking us in the eye. <laughs> and can she poke an eye? Let me tell you, you poking us in the eye. This is one strong-willed little girl. How about your life? you know we, our prayer. We we had prayed, we had prayed, and usually Laura ends up climbing on Kim. We you know sleeping on top of her, but. We had prayed that God would bring Ryan back to us. That was always our prayer God, please bring him back, bring him back. And He did for a short time. When Laura was born, we had this great connection for really eight months with Ryan. It was just a very very special time that God gave us. But Laura was God's answer to our ultimate prayer. That God would bring Ryan back to us. R- Laurel was God's answer. He knew, God knew ahead of time that Ryan was not going to pull out of his downward spiral. He knew God was he knew Ryan was going to pull out of that. And it said it is every day, like I said, each day we have a God wink, a reminder that God answered our prayer in a different way, but he answered our prayer. How about you? Are your eyes open? Are our eyes open to, with faith? Can we see with faith? It's like if I take these glasses off, I can't see a thing, but I put the glasses on and I can see pretty well. And, and that is faith. Faith allows us to see what we can't see without faith. And can, can we see what God is doing? Can we see his purpose? It might not be what we would choose. We wouldn't have chose to lose Ryan. But God can see a lot further than we can. He can see the big picture. And he's working things out. God winks. Coinkininks? No. God winks. He's working them out according to his purpose. 2020. Look what so many people just want this year to end. We want to just forget about 2020. The coronavirus, the division in our country, the elections, and and all that all that's happened before, and what's still happening—crazy stuff still going on. I, I, we're not done with 2020 by a long shot. A lot of craziness, and well, <laughs> we'll get to that another time. But 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 as crazy as it is, we can see God's hand if we see with the eyes of faith. If we see with the eyes of faith. Look what happened to the woman and her and her son. What's connected to the woman and her son? Her husband is dead, but her son is alive, which was a miracle. Her, her, her son should have been dead, right? But her husband is dead, but her son is miraculously alive with her still as they go into the king's presence presence. That is no coincidence. That is a God wink. It is No coincidence that the coronavirus hit us in 2020 and everything that came with it. It's no coincidence. If you have not started listening to my End Times Prophecy series online, I want to encourage you. What in the world is happening is is the title. But, But it's all in the Bible. We can connect the dots to everything that's happening in our life to the Bible. It's it's no coincidence. It's no coincidence that the coronavirus hit this year. It's no coincidence that the adults are dying and the kids are bulletproof. Now I know a couple kids have died, but let's let the vast majority of of people who die are older, secondary issues usually, but older, but the kids are miraculously not dying. Just like this miracle boy. The father's dead and this miracle boy is there. He should have been dead, but he's still there. It's no accident that this is the way that God has allowed this pandemic this plague, this famine to hit us. It's no accident this, is, this has happened. We can connect the dots to from this, the woman and the boy to, our, to now. And also, let's not forget, just had the 400th anniversary of the Pilgrims' Landing at Plymouth Rock, the Mayflower Landing with the Pilgrims. Just had the 400th anniversary. And if you know anything about the Mayflower and the Pilgrims, out of everybody who came over, I think there was like 104 people, Half of the adults died within that first year. Once they took trip over and they, they were in, in uh, Plymouth there, half of them died, and yet not a single child died. Not one. There was even a baby born on the Mayflower didn't die. Not a single child. What? Is that a coincidence? That's a God wink. That's a God wink. I had... Family history, I know I, I had twelve I had twelve grandparents on the Mayflower. Completely connected. Twelve grandparents on that Mayflower, including William Bradford. Uh, and and that's why I'm here today. Because of them coming over on that Mayflower. That's why I'm here today. That's why I have faith in Jesus Christ today. God has a purpose for our lives. God has a purpose this woman this God had a purpose for this woman's this woman and and her family had a purpose for her. That's why this boy survived. The son's resurrection was a an amazing rest resulted in an amazing restoration, which we'll look at next time, and we'll see how Jesus has restored us. It'll be our first sermon in the new year. I wait to hear this one. Jesus, just like that boy, ended up restoring his mother's life. Jesus restores our life, just like He's done for us. That was a it was a miracle. The pilgrim's journey, the pilgrim had this impossible journey. It was a miracle that the ship ever the, Mayflower ever landed in Plymouth. It was a miracle. It was a miracle any of them lived. And yet, that, that 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 impossible miracle birthed a new nation under God. And the echoes of their faith still are... You can hear them in our country today. We, we see their faith still today. The echoes of their faith. Coronavirus. And all the craziness. All the craziness. God, it's no... Coincidence? It's no accident. It did not catch God off of guard. God knew it was coming. Has a plan for it. He has a plan for our lives in the midst of this. He is waking up His church. I'm not talking about the fake churches. I'm talking about the true church of Jesus Christ. From all denominations, we see there's a, a, a remnant waking up and coming together. The true church coming together. It's it's refining many, many Christians. Have, we're starting to look at our lives and say, what was I spending my time doing this? Or why were my priorities here? Or why wasn't I awake spiritually? He's waking up the church. He's refining Christians. And, I, and I'm hoping that it's setting the stage for a real revival. Now oh, these faith revivals, emotional things, these things that last for, you know, flame and flicker out. You know, I'm talking about a real revival that lasts. A remnant, a a, a real revival. That's what I'm hoping for. Whether it's remnant or whether it's nationwide spiritual awakening, whatever it is, I believe that God is preparing His true church for a revival. It's no accident. The woman, the pilgrims, What's happening in 2020 in our lives? It's no accident. God is preparing us. Listen to my prophecy sermons. God is preparing the church for his purpose. And I believe he's preparing us for the second coming of Jesus Christ. For Jesus coming back again. Revelation sermons. Listen. How is God speaking to us today? How is he speaking to us? As Christians, are we we living by faith? Are we seeing everything through the eyes of faith? Are we seeing that? Looking for God's God wings. Instead of looking with the eyes of flesh, are we looking with the eyes of faith? And while we're talk- thinking about that, praying about that, maybe you're here and you maybe you're listening to this and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe for the first time your eyes are open. Your eyes are opening and you can see that Jesus is the Son of God and that He died for us for a reason. Listen, Isaiah 53, I read that to you earlier. Look, I'm going to read you a couple of verses before that. In Isaiah 53, leading up, verse 4 Surely He took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered Him stricken by God, smitten by Him, and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. This is prophecy but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 700 years before Jesus Christ. It was prophesied that the Son of God would die. And we know die on a cross. Psalm 22. Read it. Die on a cross. In our place to take our sin. He was our substitute. He, He ransomed us with his, bought us with his own blood. Died for us on that cross and took our sin upon himself. Have you ever put your faith in him, we must put our faith in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The word believe means to put your faith in. It's not intellectual belief. It means to put your faith in. the Greek, to put your faith in. Complete trust in Jesus Christ, His death, His resurrection to prove He was the Son of God, His death for our sins, His resurrection to give us a new life. We all must put our faith in Him. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? Maybe God is opening your eyes right at this moment. And you can see... That Jesus wasn't just a historical figure. He wasn't just someone who showed up. But he was sent by his Father God to die for us. Proved he was the Son of God. Fulfilled prophecies. Did amazing miracles. Died and rose again from the dead to prove he took our sins and could give us a brand new life. He was really God's Son. One and only Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can believe in Jesus. You can put your faith in Jesus right now. Right this very moment you can pray the simple but powerful prayer of faith. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I put my faith in you. I put my faith in your death for me. My sin. I repent of that sin. I walk away from that sin. I turn away. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. And give me a new life in you. Because I'm putting my faith in you, Jesus. Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, something amazing has happened to you. You are now a child of God. And for the rest of us, how is God speaking to us? Maybe your eyes are opened in faith to the God-winks, to the way that God is working. Maybe you've been upset with God for something that's happened, but now you realize that God has a purpose, a special purpose in that. Father, I pray that every one of us would put our faith in you and that we would live by faith. We would see everything that happens with the eyes of faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.